0: Are you actually ready? Yeah, are yeah, you? <laughs> no, you, it, well, I'm kind of, I'm winging it, how, uh, how about you? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I am too. Okay. I know. right, get your brain in here. Yeah. we've got an important conversation to have. Right? Okay. Okay, so let's go, let's do the 3-2-1, 3-2-1 okay. and the welcome. Okay, and who's introducing us, are you going
1: first or? Um, i can go, okay. welcome to the
0: Respectfully Podcast. I'm Lauren Stone. And I'm Nikki Pope. And today our guest in the Respectfully Podcast uh, virtual kitchen (laughs) is Christelle baron howe Christelle is a Swedish hairdresser who arrived in the UK in the 90s. She has worked with many big names in hairdressing, kicking off with the Tony and Guy group. She then went to join... Akin Canizzi at Hobbs Salons for a while. She has worked with Weller and she's also worked in-house with TG as a director of colour but in the most recent years, about four years ago, she has started her own boutique salon in Notting Hill in London called Still, S-T-I-L. She's a colourist and has taken part in many shows and awards events and done lots of education but it's the first time we've had a chat with her so I'm very excited to, to welcome Christelle yay fantastic
1: fantastic thanks so much for joining us Christelle um we just wanted to catch up with you really and see what you've been up to see um you know what you've been doing with your new salon still which well it's not really new how long have you had it now
2: no well it's four years now um Boy, yeah, oh my yeah, god, that's gone so quickly years. i
1: remember you just starting it up and thinking oh my goodness amazing oh, so yeah. kind of give us a bit of a pricey then of your kind of ger- your hairdressing journey just to kind of kick start us off
2: yeah of course uh, firstly thank you so much for asking me i'm, I'm delighted to be with you two today um Oh, my goodness. How long have I got? So not not to drag it on for too long because I'm quite old now. But I started my journey uh, in Sweden uh, because that's where I'm from. And I've always known that I wanted to be a hairdresser from a very, very sort of young age. My mum used to actually take me uh, to the hairdressers. And I remember back then because that was sort of in the 80s. Uh, It was very different then, you know, people used to smoke in the salon and I remember thinking it was so glamorous. So I guess my love for hair sort of started from a very, very early age, like five Mm -hmm. or six, really. Um, And then, yeah, I sort of, you know, from um, when I went to college, I thought, and I still do, I always think that sort of, well, I do think that London is the mecca for sort of hair, fashion, music. um, And I guess there was always that interest and I kind of wanted to be the best or the best that I could when I did my training yeah. and at the time Toning Guy was massive so this was sort of a mid to, to late 90s so I decided uh, quite early on that I wanted to move to London and further myself and it was due to actually the the lady who I work for who's got an amazing salon in, uh, in Stockholm, a very successful business, she actually came over here and she did a course with Toning Guy and she brought back I think it was that one of their classic books at the time and I remember flicking yeah. through the book and thinking wow this is so amazing because I'd never seen anything I was seven, mm-hmm. 16 17 at the time and I thought wow you know what I want to be part of this uh, I want to be able to do this because I didn't know how to do the styles and the hair colors that they produced so yeah, yeah I decided when I was 18 that I'm going to move uh, so I did and I arrived here I think just when I turned 19 uh, which is a long time ago now. It's 20, nearly 22 years ago. Um, yeah. And that was kind of my intro, I think, to hair. And then I sort of started my career with Toning Guy. Um, and at okay. the time, they had essentials. So I could do both. I did cutting and colouring. Oh, uh, yeah. And I guess that was the sort of introduction to colour for me, really. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's how we started. And then from there, I went on to do other things. I, I worked for are professionals and that was sort of an introduction to to education for me in my early 20s and then from there I was very fortunate to uh, been offered a job uh, to go and work with Akin Kinesi and Clive and Paulson Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. and I guess that was an introduction into the uh, award uh, industry I guess within within our industry so I was very fortunate to do the British Hairdressing Awards And then that sort of unfolded and I was offered a job with TG to go and head up their sort of technical uh, department on, but it was a slightly different role because that was sort of on a global level, which Uh it still is, and I'm still there in a a slightly different role obviously to what I did when I first joined because when I first took the role, it was a full-time role, so I obviously worked very closely with Anthony Muscolo and the team on all the creative content, the show and education aspect. And I also work very closely with the R&D team on product development Mm -hmm. um, and sort of education. And uh, yeah, did that for about five years as a full-time role and Mm -hmm. felt that I really missed sort of doing hair. Salon life. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. salon life. Because it's very different, although you do all the wonderful stuff with like, you know, Mm -hmm. your travel, you do education, Um, you know, working for a manufacturer has still got a corporate backbone to it. So uh and I guess I just missed missed the sort of the salon life and, you know, doing hair every day, being with clients. Yeah, so uh I decided to open Steel and it's just over four years ago now. So my role now is obviously the focus is very much on the salon. That's where I spend most of my time. But I still do my my role with T G. Um and, you know, I think it's been an amazing partnership for both of us really.
1: And um, yeah, keeps me busy. I guess. To I so was that always your your kind of end goal? Did you always dream of owning your own salon and kind
2: of? No, you know what? It's a funny no. one because I've never known, but I've always had. And I don't know if you ever feel like this or felt like this. Mm. Ever since the day I've started hairdressing, I've always known that it it was the path for me. But whenever I do something, I always feel I need to go on to the next thing. So I always feel that it's important for me to push myself, learn something different. Yeah, I wouldn't say that I necessarily get bored, um, but there's always been this sort of chase inside of me to Mm -hmm. to go on to the next thing. And hence why I've kind of moved on and done different things, I guess, Mm -hmm. in my career. And when I opened the salon, that feeling disappeared a little bit, which was oh, amazing because it was almost yeah. like I found a bit of peace yeah, inside. Yeah, to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think all of these years, I've never known, but I've probably been working towards opening the salon. And you mm-hmm. know what? It's been the best thing ever. I, oh my I, God, I, it's stunning and beautiful. Thank yes. you so much. But you know, from a work perspective... Um, you know what I couldn't be happier I love it I yeah. love everything
0: that comes with
2: it so sometimes yeah sometimes
0: I think you have to be at the right age and stage for something you know maybe it wouldn't have been right to have done it when you were younger yeah I totally you know you agree. almost have to, we all have our own journeys don't we yeah but listen that must have been really tough opening a salon when you haven't come from a salon how did you build a, a client base if you'd you didn't been... yeah you know what
2: I was politely naive, I must say, because <laughs> when I opened the salon, people said to me, and we, we're in Notting Hill, and you know what's so amazing around there, that all the um, there's a real community in, in Notting Hill amongst all the shop owners, amongst um, people who live there, which are your clients, mm-hmm. and everyone sort of looks after each other. And before we opened, we did sort of quite a few... Um, sort of business partnerships at the beginning to get the business going and everyone who had a business in Notting Hill said to me you know what, it will take six months, don't worry, it's just what it's like here, it will take six months, and then it will just, you get the right people in, and then people will start to support you, and mm-hmm. I remember thinking at the time, no, it won't take six months, it's going it's ah, to be quicker than that, be fine. but yeah, but I was very wrong, it took six months, I mean, we had <laughs> clients from the beginning, but it was that kind of six months mark, and then it just sort yeah. of changed, and yeah. You know, I had stylists with me at the time or colorists that had a bit of a clientele, so obviously we had clients. Um but yeah, you you it was difficult for me because I didn't have the same clientele, but you build yeah. you know, quite quickly and yeah. um but it you know, it was probably a little bit harder for me because I didn't didn't have
0: the clients, but mm-hmm. um yeah, you and know. also running running your own business, what was the biggest challenge that with hindsight looking back on it in the first year opening a business you know from scratch because presumably was it even a a salon before you took the premises over or did you literally go into a white space and create it
2: yeah uh, it was a white space so sweaty betty the clothing brand was actually Hmm. in in the unit before we took it over and so it looked completely different um yeah you know what I think during like the first 2 years it was obviously and I won't lie it's it's tough isn't it as much as you love yeah. it mm-hmm. and I think for, fortunately we were we were fortunate because we did have clients so I didn't although we had financial you know pressure I, I think we were fortunate not to maybe have as much as maybe what other people have experienced but you know there's tons of stuff and i didn't know what i was doing you kind of learn and you've been in the salon environment but it's everything isn't it from setting the business up to getting the right staff to getting you know everything
1: else that you
0: need to do control management oh yeah yeah.
1: it's it's everything (laughs) <laughs> and what was your what was your vision for? Because obviously, where did the name come from, and kind of the whole look of it? It's got like a real kind of Scandinavian feel. Of, yeah, that's from your heritage. So, did you have that vision in your head of what it would be like? Yeah. So, I think in terms of what it is. So,
2: I think every business is obviously a part of your DNA. And yeah. with me being Swedish, I just felt that that would be the best sort of um, aesthetics for for the for the business because it's part of mm-hmm. me. Also with color, um, because we do we do seventy percent color. So seventy percent of our revenue is from is from color services. We do very little mm-hmm. styling, but um, when you go to a um, uh, what's art gallery, for example, everything is white around you, and yeah. everything within Swedish design is very minimal, white, and that's the perfect sort of setting for people to read colour in so that was really Mm -hmm. important to me for it to be very clean and white for us to be able to I guess celebrate and read colour within the business Mm -hmm. and also it's a little bit because of my head, my head is super busy so when I have something that's quite minimal uh, around me it helps me to be a bit more creative and organised so I I guess Mm -hmm. that's the reason behind it Um, and uh, sorry now I forgot what you asked me that's the aesthetics yeah oh the net na- the name oh the name sorry yeah of course the name <laughs> so nice. it's uh, steel is uh, swedish for style and that's what it means oh, okay. uh, yeah
0: gotcha you, gotcha you. Yeah. now i'm interested in this so um just being just stirring the pot a bit so why not your name why not christelle you know or-
2: what a lot of people ask me that and they say, why, you know, you should be Christelle Lundquist. And and I never felt it was right because my dream and vision is to build a brand. And I've always felt by having a name such as Steel, it allows me to branch out to products, yeah. for example, or, you know, different avenues. Yeah. And it just felt the sort of the right fit really yeah, for what a moral concept yeah ra- rather than my own name i guess um you know and i guess it's just de- depends on what you what you prefer to
0: to do really mm-hmm. yeah mm. no no i think it's right so and then in uk hairdressing so you've been here for 20 years a yeah. bit more than 20 years so how do you think our industry shapes up because you've worked in several very big Salon groups, you've worked for you, do work still with TG, you've worked with other brands. Do you, what's your perception of women in the industry, whether it's at the boardroom, whether it's in the companies, or whether it's you know on the stages? Do yeah. you see it as being a, a good representation of family women, or do you think women find it harder to become visible?
2: No, you know what, I think this is a very, very interesting topic because I don't necessarily see it as we don't have the same opportunities or the platform uh, as other men. I think for me naturally uh, when we look at you know just life in general you know women uh, often have you know families or children at a certain age and I guess naturally when that happens there's a period in a woman's life that you probably take a bit of a setback because your family might become a bit more important Oh, yeah. um, and I think I've noticed that throughout my career whereby i work with you know women and, and they take a little bit of time out and then they come back and I think that's kind of a natural path for us women and hence why sometimes there's a few more male around in, situ- in certain situations but I've been very very fortunate and you know I've been fortunate to work with some incredible women uh in in different corporate scenarios i mean there's there was you know in weller professionals for example there was some incredible women right at the top as well yeah same thing when i look at you know tg or unilever they have some incredible women as leaders there as well so I do I do think and it's the same thing in our industry as well I think there's some amazing women uh you know within hairdressing that's really kind of leading the way with hair yeah. as well so you know I I think for me personally I would never ever see a man as as a threat I think you kind of make your own path in life and the beauty with life is that there's so many opportunities around us but you've got to have the confidence and the guts to to go and get it and yeah. I know sometimes and listen I work with you know when I work with the TD guys I mean they're incredible but it's a bit of a boys club yeah. but you've got to just I'm not in a competition with them I've just got to make no, sure just I'm, have to I'm, go your...
1: <laughs> yeah I'm
2: part you know I'm very much part of that team and the crowd but you know you know I, I'm, I would never be in competition and would I be <laughs> as loud as them probably not it's not mo- it's not my cup of tea really but you know it,
0: it's all personal it's quite interesting isn't it to think of you as a very sort of stylish Scandinavian sort of goddess of hair colour hanging out with with, (laughs) but hanging out with a sort of a brand where you know Anthony is one of the sort of he's quite a lad isn't he and and sort of you know London I've been very fortunate and I don't know if, if
2: you guys would agree with this but I think throughout my career, I've been so blessed by having so many amazing people around me that's always supported me, mm-hmm. um, you know, from Hob days, uh, you know, Anthony's incredible. I mean, he's so supportive, not only of me, but of of his team. Um, and, you know, and that's something that I would love to obviously to sort of create within my business as well. So I think it's also the people that you surround yourself with as yeah. well. Um, you yeah. know, when people believe in you. Um, you know, they sort of support you for you to sort of go
0: on the path that you want to go down as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think definitely the, the names that we've, we've mentioned there in the conversation of people in my experience of hairdressing are team very much team builders and people who put their art teams and their staff and, and build things together. And what about building your team in the salon? So you've got five, there's five of you in the team, but... <laughs> During yeah, the last few months, you've added.
2: Yeah, there's a few, few more of us now, actually. So uh, we are, so let me see how many colorists are we. Uh, we are four colorists, and then I've got two stylists. And uh, yeah, same thing there. I mean, look, it's super important. People always ask me, oh, do you want to do awards? And we enter awards, but but for me, it's more important to to sort of build profiles around my team now as well because you know it's important for people to have opportunities and for them to feel that they can grow with a business and, and build a profile so yeah I mean definitely I mean I've got one girl uh, called Anna Alford who's been with me for quite some time and we entered her for the British Hairdressing Awards last year she was a finalist we've just entered her for um, creative head uh, as well, along with other team members as well for me it's not really about me so much anymore i I just love the fact that you know I want to focus on building the business, expanding, building a team and and yeah, see where yeah. it takes us really.
1: It was great to hear you saying about that you know you're employing some more people in during this pandemic because we're obviously talking during covid nineteen not lockdown but you know pretty much lockdown um and a lot of the stuff that you hear is quite you know worrying people are worried that their stylists are gonna you know start becoming freelance stylists or go elsewhere yeah so it's great to hear some positive news that you kind of you feel you know you're ready to tackle it head on when you get the salon open
2: yeah and you know what I'm a true believer listen it's very difficult and it's been very difficult for everyone but I yeah always always try to see the positive out of everything Mm -hmm. and this has been a great time for us to you know get ourselves sort of set up for when we go back Um, and yeah we have recruited uh, two new people two new stylists uh, and I've recruited some more people for front of house as well and you know it's been a great time Because I guess people are looking for work at the minute. So, you know, the calibre of people that have applied for for jobs with us has been phenomenal. So, you know, we're very grateful for that. And yeah, um, yeah, so I guess in that respect, it's been amazing because we've obviously had the opportunity to take on more people um and whereas sometimes
0: when you're really busy it's it's difficult to find the really good yeah good people take it as a pause what do you think of the um perception of the hairdressing industry um that the the media in brit in the uk for example has over the last three months you know there's been a lot of talk about hair and hairdressing yeah um which you know from my point of view, there's been times I've sat there, sort of, you know, cursing the TV and thinking, "For goodness sake!" Yeah. And other times, thinking, "Wow, this is great." How have you felt about the way hairdressing's been portrayed? Do you know what? a it's same, same as you, really. You know,
2: listen, it's it's our DNA, isn't it? It's what it's what we do. I think the one thing. Um, You know, the reason why I'm in this country is because there's so many amazing opportunities uh, in this country for hair. And also, I think it's regarded as an amazing sort of profession as well. Whereas I know where I come from, the opportunities aren't the same and the culture of hair isn't the same either. And obviously, it's difficult because there's been all of these sort of tutorials on how to do it yourself, cut it yourself, colour it yourself, which obviously isn't anything that i would 100 percent support um, but i understand why people are doing it in times like Mm -hmm. this and you know for us with our clients it's been very much about us supporting them in terms of you know what what can we recommend for them to do uh, at home Um, but we have asked all of our clients to kind of wait for us and not to color their hair at home because you know, priority for us obviously is the condition of the hair, etc. If they can do little glosses or root touch-ups or use you know different cover sort of material like pens yeah. or sprays or whatever, of course that's fine. You know, it's it's a difficult time to be. Uh, what's the word to give
0: or to be? um oh what's the word i'm well, looking for you can't, can't really censor people i think you know when people have if it's about their self-esteem and yeah. their well-being then you then we need to be kind exactly. to our clients as exactly. well as to each other yeah um and and understand have you had pressure particularly in recent weeks i'm hearing more and more stories of people being really pressured to visit clients at home or to offer services outside the salon have you had that at all
2: yeah we have loads of that we have lo- loads of our clients asking and actually we've had uh people that are not clients uh to the business they've asked us are you doing home hair um and definitely and you know and I think this is a really tricky one as well because like you said in times like this you obviously got to be kind and yeah. although that I might not Sort of necessarily agree with it uh, because obviously we've closed the business and we're t- trying to do the right thing so we can reopen mm-hmm. and go back. But you know, when you hear about people that don't have any money and they doing home hairdressing because they need to put food on the table, I mean yeah. that's that's difficult as well isn't it so i guess people are trying to do what they can do to survive at the minute yeah um, i think
1: it's about trying not to be judgmental isn't it yeah I mean, everyone's got their own circumstances and it's it, it, like you say it's different for everybody everyone's got their own situation that they're exactly kind of dealing with
2: but as a business we don't i mean i wouldn't be able i you know i've got we've been asked the question so many times oh can you send yeah. you know one of your stylists <laughs> out or can you do oh, really, i'm
1: desperate And
2: um, you know unfortunately i just can't like you know no. it's you, we'll have to wait. We're so close now, though. I guess that's the yeah. other thing as well. We've done the, the hard yeah. time.
1: We're so close yeah. to to the end. So we've just got to I wait a it little is, bit more. Yes. Yeah. At this point, what kind of measures have you put in place then in your salon already to make sure you're ready for?
2: So we've done July Fourth, like yeah, Independence Day. Independence Day, yeah. Let's hope it's <laughs> going to be July Fourth exactly. <laughs> we like most people, we've done a health and safety risk assessment just to make sure that yeah. we have all the correct PPE. So like all the mm-hmm. you know the face coverings or the masks, the visors, the gloves. Uh, we've got new dip- disposable aprons, etc., and you know disposable gowns and all the rest of it. And then we put screens up uh, around the salon oh, yeah. as well. So uh, yeah. re- reception area has changed a bit for us. The backwash wash area has changed. We had to change our staff room as well to make sure that we don't have too many people in the staff room at once. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, just the general stuff like hand sanitizers I guess it's and it's hard as well
1: because. I mean especially with a, like a boutique salon like yours it's a real experience salon isn't it so yeah kind of, how have you done th- or how will you do things in a way that you don't lose that kind of experience and that kind of you know luxury feel so
2: we've um I mean that's quite an interesting one because we had to be a little bit more creative so we have yeah. actually there's there's been elements for us where we felt that we can personalize things so we yeah. have all these nice uh we bought like really nice bottles for hand sanitizers put our own logos on it to like like oh, finishes okay. touches we've actually with our florist uh for when we come back now because it's so important to say off
1: your salon's full of flowers yeah. and stuff i always see on we, instagram
2: we, we love that so you know it's yeah. an interesting topic because more than ever before do i feel it's important for our clients to feel special when they come back more mm. so than you know when yeah. before covid So we have, uh, for our staff members, we've actually created a welcome back kit uh, and we've teamed up with Beredo and um, Diptyque. So our Uh staff gets like uh, hand sanitizers, um, I think it's a perfume in there. And what else is in there? There's one more thing, hand cream. Okay. So that's oh, for yeah, the nice. staff when they come back. And then for our clients, uh, we have now, everything is bottled, so like bottled water with this like steel logo. We're also looking at different like snacks and food that's packaged rather than, mm-hmm. because before we used to, we had restaurants that we worked with and they used to deliver the food, et oh, And I, see. I yeah. And I still think we can do that, but it's just how the food is packaged. Um, so yeah, we're looking at different options on, you know, on that to make sure that everything is safe and secure. We're Mm -hmm. looking at options, how we can serve tea and coffee, uh, you know, in disposable cups. We're actually talking to, we have an amazing coffee shop right next to us and we're actually talking to them to see, can we just order the coffee, uh, from them and bring it in um, to make it, you know, a bit more secure, I guess. Yeah. Because I wouldn't want to say, oh, sorry, you can't have a coffee.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. no, not especially if you're there for colour. Talking to no. people um, back at home, back in, yeah. in Sweden, um, and you're very well travelled and, and you must have contacts all around the world. How are other countries finding it and how are they viewing our continued lockdown? Because we've kept salons closed for a lot longer than any other European country to my knowledge and I think in Sweden they never closed at all, is that right? No,
2: they didn't. So it's an interesting one because at the beginning I think my friends and family were very quite um, unsure and they also felt a bit insecure about Sweden's approach Uh, and they've had certain areas that's been restricted in terms of what's been open and closed and they have some restrictions in place as well so it's not just like free fall but Looking at it now, in terms of where they're at, they obviously have had a lot of deaths, but they're sort of coming out on the other side of it now, because they haven't had the same restrictions as us. It's a very different country, and obviously the population is not as great as the UK, so you can't really compare it. But I guess the country has still been operating and functioning, mm. and which has been a positive yeah. thing um listen i guess we're in lockdown for the right reasons i guess that's what yeah. we have to believe um yeah. i do think now though that it, at some point we've got to you know go back to to life and yeah. try try to
0: mm. move I think the anxiety it. i think the anxiety is um not necessarily about the date, I think it's about um, being ready and being prepared. So, yeah. having speaking to a lot of hairdressers, Lauren and I have found over the last few weeks that yeah. um, you know, some of us, and I'm one of them, was very keen to bring the date as soon as possible because I was so concerned, or I am so concerned, about how yeah. many people are doing hairdressing in unsafe yeah. um, environments. So that was my driver. But other people I know have felt differently. It depends what, how much you are or are not suffering. I suppose because of the yeah. lockdown, and some people are outwardly outright enjoying being with the family and having a break. Yeah. But I think it's mostly it's about this idea that we're going to be given the okay to open without time to get ready. So I think as as long as or as soon as we have UK guidelines, because at the moment a lot of brands have been very supportive, and we're using what we're seeing happening in other countries. But there is as yet no official UK guidelines from the government about what you might have to do yeah although I mean we can can reasonably imagine and as a media company and as a as big manufacturers we've all done our best to share that so there is a lot of information out there for anybody um who wants it but I think it is just that sort of it's just this constant not knowing what the next step is going to be I think and I think you're Uncertainty right and she's quite a hard thing to deal with isn't it yeah so. and
2: and I think you're right it's not knowing and I guess in my head I mean listen we've been a bit proactive and done all the stuff that we feel that maybe is necessary for the business and that's more for people to feel 100% safe and secure mm. when they come in um, but also I'm hoping the reason why we close now is because we can't adhere to the guidelines so I'm hoping by the time we do reopen that those guidelines probably would have changed a little bit so we can Mm. operate yeah i mean i've got loads of friends in america for example that they've reopened their businesses now and it's great it's working so well you know with, with the sort of the instructions that they have and the guidelines that they have so i don't see why wouldn't work for us
0: yeah i think like you i'm hearing good stories from from european countries where it's been several weeks now and clients clients are being very very um appreciative and sort of not complaining and not worrying about it in salons as you know that you just sort of get used to it and what seems like quite an onerous regime now yeah cleaning between guests and so on actually i think once you sort of put it into practice it's not it's not that difficult. And no. there, there's, um, you know, it's obviously not going to last. But at the moment, there is a big boom in interest. You know, if you yeah. want to work all hours, you can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get people in...
2: But I think people will be, uh, it's interesting because talking to my team, so we are on these Zoom meetings and we do, And you know at the beginning it was so serious and now it's just like quiz nights, it's quite fun now, <laughs> maybe a little bit too much fun, but I know with my guys they're hungry to come back, they want to come yeah. back and you know what, they're open because we've obviously extended our salon hours to make sure that we obviously can see everyone and get all the clients in. And they're quite happy working weekends yeah. and, you know, it's, I'm hoping that that will be the mindset for m- for most hairdressers, you know, they're mm-hmm, excited yeah. to go back and get stuck in again.
0: I think so. I think it's the fear of the unknown. And once we can sort of get to the next step and there's something to be done, then I think yeah. Yeah, it will be much more interesting. So yeah. get a great bounce back. Brilliant. Exactly. I okay, agree. I think we might be at the end of our time, Lauren. Oh, yeah. oh my say, goodness. Aww. That went quick, didn't it? It <laughs> <laughs> did it. Fly by? Yeah, thank you so much, Crystal, That was fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank it's thank lovely you to have a so nice catch-up and yeah, find absolutely. out where you're up to and, and, and lots, lots of, so much positivity. Yes, and yeah, lots of lovely luck you. You. In the next few months. Thank so, you so fantastic. much.
2: Uh, I really uh, I, I'm really grateful that you are. So it's lovely to see you both. Yeah. And
1: you. Thank you. And to you. Little chat with Christelle. I I love her. She's oh, I know what a lady. She just oozes positivity. She's just brilliant. I really like her. Really lovely. Um, But yeah, if you if you like what you listen to, um, please go on and check out our other podcasts and our other guests. There's a real great lineup. Just log on to iTunes, and for all of the all of the ones that you listen to, don't forget to rate and review us because that will push us up the charts. Okay, thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye bye.